the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back as we head into hour two. I um, unloaded a bunch of news stories at the top of the last hour, uh, except for one. So let me give out the phone number. I have a feeling you may want to comment on this one. 602-508-0960-602-5080-960. I was slow to kind of doing this story because I try a little bit to do a little bit different from other things I hear on other shows as I um, as I listen to radio. And and yet it dawned on me I, I haven't really dipped this stick into the uh, into the test of this audience um, for measurement and analysis and discussion uh, quite yet. And it's the story uh, and the news of Nikki Haley um, Obviously now, even though she didn't fully announce it, leaking enough to say she will be announcing her bid for the presidency, challenging um, the only other announced candidate in the field right now, which is Donald Trump. It's pretty clear that, I mean, with the candidacy of Donald Trump, we are probably going to have a candidacy from Mike Pompeo. I don't know if Mike Pence is still thinking that way, but likely is the case. Uh, Ron DeSantis, to be sure, is putting together a team, and uh, and now um, Nikki Haley is uh, is putting her um, putting her uh, putting her hat in the ring. Um, good good story in real clear politics about it, which I'll run by you. But I would I would love to get your thoughts on it. Um, and if you want to think about, you know, what her bona fides are, would you support her? Are you with Trump? Are you with DeSantis? Uh, please do uh, give us a call. And on the currently elected <laughs> line is Congressman David Schweikert, who checks in with hey, us every I'm Wednesday. So How are you, sir? I'm so sorry for my tardiness. I have Lynn Munsell sitting in my office and we're trying to figure out how to save the world in a moral fashion. He's well, waving at you. Well, Seth. tell Len I said hi. I haven't talked to him in he forever, and I went to college with a cousin, high school and college he, with, he, I believe, a no cousin of his. Friend, but yeah. he went to high school with high school or college with both, your, both, both, both in Claremont. It was a cousin of his. Claremont. And I haven't seen Len in a long time. Tell him I send my very, very best. Yeah. Well, apparently the university out there is doing quite well, and. And he's here. We have a number of the Christian universities here visiting in town. Fantastic. Lynn's one of my oldest friends. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. A good man. I I regret it's been so long. If this is how I have to see him through you, David, you have done your job. (laughs) I apologize. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the the debt discussions and debates. Um, I guess Kevin McCarthy, Speaker McCarthy, had a meeting with Joe Biden today. I don't know if you're hearing anything. I'd love you to talk about that or and, and in any order you want, Something we're going to just have to roll up our sleeves and defend. You gave a great speech on the floor about it, which is this myth that Republicans want to cut Social Security. So either way you want to start, I'd love to get your take on it, David. Okay, um, let's do a couple things really quick. Um, I have not gotten any update how the um, discussion, and this is just going to be part of the kabuki dance. Yeah. Um, One of the things I did meet with McCarthy.
McCarthy with early this morning. We actually found the 1985 GAO memo that made it perfectly clear um, Treasury has the authorization to prioritize payments. That basically means Treasury can take and say, we're going to pay all of our debt obligations first, okay. which means there's no such thing as default. Okay. Now, that doesn't mean you make don't make um, some programs and stuff really upset because they don't have their cash. Mm-hmm. Um, but default is when you don't pay your bonds. Right. Treasury has absolutely the authority to prioritize payments. We have plenty of cash flow from our tax receipts to cover every dime of indebtedness and the bond payments and then all the earned entitlements like Social Security, Medicare, things like that. Mm -hmm. So the trick is trying to remove the shrillness, which is meant to scare people and create political pressure Mm -hmm. and avoid actually dealing with the reality of how much debt and trouble we're in. Mm -hmm. Um, so, So that's sort of that first part of how do you say... This is a stressor. It's stressors in politics are used to actually force people to take on uncomfortable policy. Right. And we're in real trouble. We're yeah. heading to a $2 trillion a year structural deficit in 10 years. $1 trillion of that being interest, $1 trillion being the growth of Medicare. Tell me what you want to cut. Well, and beyond that, I mean, even as a national issue, you were also making the floor speech uh, about we every American is poorer today than they were last year. Okay. It is interesting. I was so enraged the White House was doing the, look how great the yeah, economy is. Right. And then you take a look at the wage growth, and except for um, a little part of L.A., which has actually had a little more wage growth than inflation, the rest of the country is poor. And do you know who's the poorest, who's gotten the poorest in the last 12 months in the entire country? The, the, Phoenix, the, yeah, Phoenix I was going to say Phoenix has got to be up there, right? We Phoenix, have, no, Phoenix Scottsdale's number one. Oh, we beat. You're we win. About we win. Four, you're about four and a half to five points poor today. Wow. That's a big deal. If I came, if your boss came to you tomorrow and said, "Hey, um, Bob, I'm going to cut your salary by five percent," um, and we just take it from you. <sighs> also, every you know, because everything got more expensive faster than your wages yeah. went up. Inflation. We out, got out, yeah outgrew we, it. Oh. We lost more of our purchasing power. We are poor in our community, more so than any other place in the country. And you, it just it rips me apart that so much of the political class doesn't focus on just our families, our, our working families, just trying to survive. It's like, come on, guys, got to care. What would be what would be a, a first plan if you could wave a wand and have an entire Congress that support that was of your party or, or of your point of view, what would be a first one to get us back on track? Um, uh, first one is understanding it's complex. You got to do everything. Okay. Yeah, and, and and that means um, productivity is collapsing. Yeah. In society. You got got to do the things. We know how to do that through tax code and regulatory. Right. We've done it before. Right. Productivity because if you're going to pay people more, you get paid more on two things: inflation. Well, when you get paid more for inflation, you didn't get anything. Right. Or productivity. Right. Um, and that means the tax code that makes it so you and your business um, are incentivized to buy that new piece of equipment that makes you more productive. Therefore, you can pay yourself and your families and your workers more. Right. Um, then there's other things you, you do to knock down inflation. Um, and, 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 and we've, you and know, I've talked about this a dozen times, I've done a series of floor speeches on it. But it's got to be this sort of all-in approach mm-hmm. where growth is moral. Um, 
uh, and then the incentives in society to actually have society like normalize. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got to deal with things like the border because look what's happening in our neighborhoods: right. the, the the fentanyl, the the, the homelessness, the, the crime, the yeah, distortion. Yeah. Yeah. So the answer is it's not one thing; it's the willingness to do everything and do it all at once. You have been a hawk on the border, and before we do the Social Security thing, I'll have you say a word about it, too. Um, you, you've, uh, on Twitter, you've been, you know, just angry as, as anyone about what's going on at the border. But that, too, is an unsustainable problem, too, David. I mean, I, I, people say to me, I mean, how can this go on? I don't know. I don't know how this can go on. It's going well, on. Remember, um, uh, on occasion, I try to demonstrate the economics of an open border. Yeah. Um, if you care and love um, uh, low-skill, low low-income, the working poor in your society, mm-hmm. there's good economic data. And, and the funny thing, these were all articles by liberal professors promoted by the left just a decade ago that said, if you open up your border and you bring in lots and lots and lots of additional low-skilled, unskilled labor, you make the working poor in your society poor. This is Cesar Chavez's point years ago. This was Cesar Chavez's point years ago with the migrant workers. Yeah, But this is even fancy professors from a decade ago. (laughs) Okay, all right. That if you flood the market with people with similar skill sets, you lower the value of that skill set. If the skill set is low skill, you lower the value of... and, And that's... And the cruelty of it, does anyone care about that family where... Okay, mom and dad didn't graduate high school, but they're out there hanging drywall and working as hard as they can. And now they're living in a society, a community, where they're having to compete against how many other people. Right, right. With, so, so just the cruelty of what we've done making the working poor poor in our country. Now, now, now David, I, I have to take a commercial break. Do you need to go or do you want to stay? No, no, I, I'm, I'm good. All right, so I'm make good. sure Len understands that you'd rather talk to me than to him. I'm gonna, That's, I'm it's gonna, important well, that I win here. To Lynn it, no, it's break. important that I win. It's important. <laughs> okay, we love him. All right, I'll be back. I'll be back with you in a few moments, David. And our, our obviously our best to Len Munsell. I am Seth Liebson. He's David Schweikert. We'll both be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Delighted to have Congressman David Schweikert with us, representing the 1st Congressional District here in Arizona, which is where we broadcast from and where he and I uh, are. Uh, actually, he's in Washington, D.C. right now. David, you were just making a point before we went to the break, and I didn't want to cut you off if you had more to say on it. But one of the problems that uh, of the many with our ongoing illegal immigration problem is, of course, Equally, the suppression of wages here. Well, and, and look, I, one of the reasons I go there is so often we, we see the obvious. We see the, um, as an economist, the first degree, second degree, there's a homeless, there, there's fentanyl. Right. There's just this sort of misery. There's communities that are overwhelmed. But you don't sort of think about the cascade effect. And mm-hmm. one of these studies, and I've presented this on the floor multiple times, says, There'll be a suppression of wages for decades, yeah, um, because of the population. So it's just it's a it's a more. If you ever have that liberal family member or friend who thinks they're freaky smart, discuss that with them. Uh, discuss the cruelty to the working poor because it's it's often an argument that's avoided by the left because they claim they care and then they punish these poor people. 
Um, is there a resistance to- level that that is unseen in this, David? I wonder. I remember there was last time we were looking at this uh, 15, 20 years ago from people who want to pay lower wages. You know, they want to circumvent the law and pay lower but, but, but wages. There is part. There is that part of it, too. Right. Well, no, no, no. I need you to, to take a step backwards. Okay. Think back a decade, decade and a half ago. Right. This is what the left accused Republican. That's businesses. correct. Right. Oh, you, your Republican businesses want to exploit the working right. man. Right. But remember, parties now have identified the population. Republicans are much more the hardworking sort yeah. of middle class yeah. um, uh, party. Yep. And the left, the crazy thing is the left now has become the sort of arrogant, mm-hmm. uh, well-educated Corporatist. exploiters of yep. these populations. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And so when you take a step back, when you take that step and another giant step back in looking in looking at what's going on at the border, not only the increase of deaths of people who are trying to cross and the danger of that, not only the sex trafficking, the child trafficking, not only the drug, not even the yeah, all of that exploitation, uh, which is really let's call it what it is, modern day slavery, um, and often you know for. You know, a lifetime. If 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 nothing can be done about it, if nothing is done about it, the the huge drug problem. I was talking with someone on drug policy the other day, saying Arizona is basically the drug dealer to the nation right now, at least at the most yep. lethal. Well, yeah. Go okay. ahead. Okay. Yeah. I need you to be much more cynical, but funny. Okay. Um, you remember that supply chain problem that we had at the beginning yeah. of the Biden administration? Yeah. Well, at least on narcotics, we solved it. Yeah. Arizona it, now yeah. is by them opening up the border. We're now the distribution center of fentanyl. What is the new drug, nazapine? Yeah, right. Which is animal tranquilizer. Right. Trank, they call it. Yeah, trank, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, Which is even more lethal. All. Right. And so that's now we're killing that. people right. not just in Arizona, but across the country. Yeah. It is. So, all right. So, it, so that's that's that's, that's, that's like the old Newt Gingrich line. If FedEx can track every package to within an inch of its life, wherever it is at any point in time, why can't? Yeah, I remember that argument. And so, yeah. So, no. It is what it is. It is, what and it is. there are solutions, but it would require the left to step up and admit that their version of compassion, having open borders, turned out to create misery for so many young people, so many families, so much heartbreak. Um, is it because the they see an ultimate voting base? Is it that is is it right to be uh, that cynical? Or well, I mean, I, it's hard to explain that kind of blithe attitude to this inhumanity. I actually have a slightly different theory. Yeah. Um, collectivists are often terrified to have anyone speak differently than the collective. Okay. Um, so it became collective orthodoxy that open border was good and, and compassionate. Right. Now, until they get someone in their leadership to say, oh, this was bad, none of them are going to ever step up and speak against yeah. it because they're a monolith. Yeah. You know, Republicans, we beat the crap out of each other all the time. And that's good. We fight over policy to see which policy, which idea is more robust, which holds up. Democrats are terrified ever to say something that doesn't fit their narrative, yeah. even when that narrative is killing people in their own neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, 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 and forgive me, I've had a lot of caffeine today. It's okay. But, but it is a level of cruelty. And, and oddly enough, it's almost the same thing the left is doing right now with Social Security and Yeah, Medicare. let's go there. That's, They're thank you running for that, around so. and saying... Oh, Republicans want to cut it. Uh, up until a couple days ago, I was the senior Republican over Social Security. I'm now the chairman of oversight, so I have all, you know, I, for ways and means, 
for all of Medicare, Social Security, um, you know, trade, um, the IRS. I mean, you know, it's this huge. I talk to people every single day for the last year on how to save Social Security, Republicans and Democrats. I've never had a single person ever talk about cutting it. Yeah. And yet right now, down in the lobby are the um, uh, uh, Democrat trolls from mm-hmm. the DCCC holding cameras, running up to Republicans saying, why do you want to cut Medicare? Why do you want to cut Social Security? And then they're shoving a camera in your face, yeah. trying to get someone to say something outrageous, and that becomes their television ad. Yeah. But here's the cruelty. We got a problem. We got a mass problem. In the CBO just a couple days ago, Congressional Budget Office a couple days ago, said 10 years, the trust fund is gone. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, 23% cut in your paycheck, mm-hmm. or excuse me, in your Social Security check. Mm-hmm. At that moment, we double senior poverty. Mm-hmm. We need a solution, but it's going to have to be a bipartisan solution. We've got to come together and actually deal with stunningly complex math. And it is much more complex than just saying, well, raise the age a bit or raise the tax a bit. Believe it or not, because we've waited so long, none of those things actually produce enough resources. Yeah, we can't do that anymore. You're going right. well, you, you can do it, but it doesn't cover the shortfall. The right. shortfall is so big. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it would have worked if we did it 15 years ago. Um, and by the Democrats caring so much more about winning the politics and the television battle of today, they are basically winning, willing to destroy retirement security for Americans. And it shows you how sick the politics have been, become here in the United States. Where instead of saying, hey, this is a real problem, we got to work together, they're running up and down the hallway saying, Republicans want to cut it, and then throwing cameras in people's faces, tell me why I'm wrong. And we're looking and going, huh? You know, um, you know what would be good? Let's do this next week if we can when we visit next week. Let's run through some of that math and some of the options we can do to save Social Security. Or, or if someone gets yeah. a chance, watch one of my floor speeches. Yeah. I've been walking through just how difficult the demographics are. All right. For and, those that can't get, wait a week. Yeah, all, right. all right. Yeah. No. Right. People do that in the interim. But let's let's next week summarize some of it. I think that would be really valuable. I, pe- I think people would love it. That'd be great. That'd be great. David, thank you, sir. As always, really appreciate you standing there. You're very kind. Seth. You betcha. You are, too. I am Seth Liebson, and we'll be right back. 602-508-0960. True story. A man saw his IRA, his retirement funds, valued at $400,000 18 months ago, fall to 280000 this past year. So he met with the experts at Midas Gold Group to move his money over to gold to stop further losses. Economic Economists are forecasting another stock market roiling this year, and the question is if you can survive it. Brokers will tell you to hang on, but hang on to what is a question a lot of you are asking, which is why I recommend calling veteran-owned Minus Gold Group to safeguard your money with the stability of gold. Gold holds its value when economies fail, guarding against the ravages of inflation and the ruin of a recession. Regardless of what Biden says, it's likely going to get worse. Don't let the economy negatively affect you. Talk with the good folks at Midas Gold Group. You can check them out at MidasGoldGroup.com or better yet, call them at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. That music coming in reminded me and people who asked me 
to be reminded of the fact that, David, we never got the Paul Anka report from you. You saw Paul Anka. Yes, that's right. Bless his heart. What is he, 81, 82? He was about 82. I think that was right, yeah. How was that show? Oh, it was great. Yeah, it was at the Celebrity Theater. Yeah. Um, he did a lot of the—well, I, I think everything that he performed that night, he wrote— because what many people don't know, and what we discussed on air last week... He wrote was, a lot of songs for yes, others, yeah. He wrote quite a bit more than probably we're familiar with. Well, I know he wrote... Well, here's the big one that I bet most people don't know. He wrote the Tonight Show theme song. Right, yeah. Which doesn't, I don't think, have lyrics. Or maybe it does, but if it does, did he sing them? <laughs> no, 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 no. But he did mention he wrote that. Oh, he did? Yeah. yeah. He, he didn't have Doc Severinsen with him to play it, did he? No. Johnny's theme. Yeah. She's a lady... Yes. Which he uh, did for uh, Tom, Jones, Tom Jones, right? Yep. Might have been one of Tom Jones. That, what's new Pussycat and She's a Lady? That's got to be. He did see She's a Lady. Delilah. Yes. Yeah, no, She's a Lady. What else? Obviously, My Way. He transferred from the French, right? There was a great moment where he did a tribute to Sammy Davis Jr. Oh, it's wow. It's a song that many people are not familiar with. He, he had this uh, hilarious uh, joke, and he said Sammy asked him to create a theme song. Oh. And he said, well, what do you mean? You already got a theme song. What, what do you want me to make it? The Birth of the Jews? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Instead of the Birth of the Blues. Right, right, the right, blues. right, right. And um, for one of his television programs in the 70s, Paul Anka wrote a song called I'm Not Anything or I'm Not Anybody. I've, I've got to double check on that Oh, one. yeah. But uh, didn't take off. Mm -hmm. It was a great piece that he performed yeah. along with a video of Sammy. Aww. They sort of had a. I didn't know that. I didn't realize effect. they were that close. That's neat. Yes, that's, that's neat. Right, yeah. Well, I love it. That's great. Thank you for the update. Glad you went. Uh, you know, we've talked with Stanley Kurtz and a few others here and there about what governors can do with appointments to uh, the boards of trustees to colleges, and we talked with Mark Bauerlein about this last week. Uh, our regular guest, Mark Bauerlein, who um, was appointed along with Charles Kessler and a few other of our friends to the board of trustees of this really lefty public college university called uh, the New College in uh, Florida. And so Governor DeSantis appointed a slew of people like Charles Kessler and Mark Bauerlein to the board of trustees. Um, a couple of them tried to meet last week, the board members. Um, the president of the college uh, wouldn't let them meet. Why? What was the pretext? And it's always a pretext. Threats of violence would take place if the conservative trustees met. This is always the pretext. This is known as the heckler's uh, veto, where, you know, you can issue a threat of violence, which can be used as an excuse to uh, a priori or um, what's 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 another word I want for this here? Uh, if not a priori, um, well, I'll come up with it. But in any way, in advance, shut down the speech because of a threat of violence. Uh, all someone has to do is issue the threat of violence. They do this to Dennis Prager. They do it to Ben Shapiro. They do it to Ann Coulter. They do it to conservative speakers all the time. Threat of violence. And thus, we now have an excuse to cancel the speech. Well, that's exactly what the president of the New College Board used last week when these conservative, a couple of these conservative boards of trustees tried to meet so she wouldn't let the meeting take place. Well, guess what? Guess what? The board of trustees finally got together and voted to fire the president of New College. Good riddance, good work, good job. Nothing like this has been done since Ronald Reagan was governor of California and his, one of his first acts was getting rid of the liberal head of the UC Regents, Clark Kerr. He did it in his first month. 
I thought he would have taught governors and reform-minded governors that they have this power to take the seriousness of what's going on in our public universities with our public monies through appointing strong-minded and strong-willed and strong-backboned boards of trustees to take this stuff seriously. Well, DeSantis is learning the right lessons, and, well, one college is on its way to repair. All right, a lot more coming up. By the way, what is your thought? Trump, DeSantis, Nikki Haley? Let me know. 602-508-0960. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. I love it when the Wall Street Journal does this. About once a week, they do a dipstick of uh, sampling of uh, thoughts from college students. Generation Z, I suppose. As well. Gener- are, you, are you Generation? No, you're... You're, are you quite Generation Z? You don't have to admit it. We won't make you. I'm not allowed to ask you, in fact. So there we go. Let us not violate the EEOC um, with that question. Um, so I literally don't know, which is why I asked, and we'll just leave it there. But Generation Z would be roughly ages 10 to upper 20s, 25, somewhere around there. Um, people have different de- definitions of it. But it is our college students, or what we think of as the age of a college student, which you, of course, are not. You have duly graduated college. All right. The question that the Wall Street Journal, and they try and do a broad sample, and maybe, you know, reason for optimism with what we learned today from what the Wall Street Journal solicited from this group of uh, college students. What do physical and mental health mean to Generation Z? And they asked uh, students who responded from the University of Wisconsin-Madison, which is a very liberal school, Georgia Institute of Technology, um, one student is from UC Berkeley. It's a it's a sampling of pretty liberal schools. I mean, most schools are University of Connecticut um, and uh, Loyola, Loyola University, Maryland. And the answers are interesting, uh, interestingly consistent. Let's take this one from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. This is from an economics major named Annika Horowitz. And the question uh, they're asked is... Um, uh, next, uh, yeah, okay, fine. They're a- asked what their thoughts are on physical and mental health. Her response, the U.S. spends 17 cents of every dollar on health care, yet a third of adults are obese and a fifth experience mental illness. Current generation is the most obese, medicated, and mentally ill in history. This is rooted in two broader problems, not enough personal agency and too much instant gratification. I love the words, the language of progressivism, but using uh, cons- but getting us to cons- conservative outcomes. It's kind of funny. Personal agency is not how conservatives talk, but it is a conservative point this uh, student is making. She writes, people have traditionally overcome adversity by taking personal responsibility. They worked within existing institutions and used the limited resources available to them, but the current generation is being robbed of free will. Problems from obesity to drug abuse are framed as societal ills that can only be remedied by transforming major institutions or cultural norms. Type 2 diabetes must be solved through universal health care. The opioid epidemic must be tackled by destigmatizing drug use. And ethnic studies classes include body size on the society blaming intersectionality pyramid. Meantime, our culture of instant gratification has created a health care system that refuses to face root causes. The American Academy of Pediatrics is saying that 12-year-olds struggling with obesity be given medication and 13-year-olds can now undergo fat-removing surgery. 
In 2022, there was a 70% increase in refills for serotonin-regulated generation, uh, excuse me, generic Lexapro. But combating obesity requires a dramatic lifestyle change, a disciplined diet and exercise regime. And most often, increased serotonin alone doesn't combat depression. A fulfilling life requires family, friends, and purpose. Our health crisis will not be solved with increases in government spending or price-controlled medicine. Instead, people must reclaim their agency, working every day to improve their lifestyles and achieve their goals. Mostly amen to most of all of that, Annika, at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. The problem is everything in the culture is telling them otherwise. Every, everyone and everything in the culture is giving the opposite message. Dennis Prager was saying you repeat something often enough, it becomes true, or at least it takes on a veracity or it takes on a common, uh, a common wisdom. Uh, or conventional wisdom might be the better phrase. But I love the all these students are pretty much on the same page. Uh, here's one from uh, Georgia Institute of Technology. Recent polls indicate the majority of Generation Z is more concerned with eating a diet that is both nutritious and ethically sourced than preceding generations. The percentage of Gen Zers exercising multiple times a week exceeds that of past generations. All told, students are more concerned about their weight and will likely suffer lower obesity rates than their millennial counterparts. Alcohol trends also point to Gen Z drinking less than millennials, boomers, and Gen Xers. Despite positive changes in physical health, today's students report having the worst mental health among past generations. Many forces are at work, but stunted social interaction is the primary factor and can be attributed to social media, isolation during the pandemic, and increasingly stressful experiences. While social media and virtual work make fleeting connections more numerous, they've reduced more meaningful interactions with neighbors, coworkers, friends, and roommates. Lockdowns accelerated that reduction. Good for that student. Good. I love it. I'll give you just uh, maybe one more. University of Connecticut. This is really maybe my favorite. Today's young adults are bombarded with messaging that tells them to satisfy their impulses and to seek pleasure no matter the consequence. Our culture promotes this behavior by telling us that all bodies are beautiful, drug use is a personal choice, and degrading apps such as OnlyFans are not only acceptable but empowering. Consequently, young people consume fast food at the expense of their physical well-being, partake in rampant drug use at the expense of their cognition, and pine after TikTok models at the expense of meaningful relationships. But we are called to a greater purpose than gratifying our bodily appetites. When we ignore this reality, we find ourselves lacking fulfillment. It should come as no surprise that nearly 1 in 10 Americans report experiencing depression. Among teenagers, the numbers are even worse. To help our youth become healthier, we must stop valuing pleasure above all else. And then there's one from the University of Maryland about uh, my generation's health is a smorgasbord of sedentarism, anxiety, and excess sugar consumption. These sickly tendencies illustrate a series of bizarre paradoxes and unexpected events. Although less likely to drink or smoke, I have become more reclusive and antisocial. Although drilled with a lifetime of nutritionary facts, I consume more and more salt and sweets. COVID began my freshman year, and its effects still linger through my final undergraduate months. Unlike classes before and after the pandemic, our class lost its university experience almost as soon as it began. Sent home during our freshman year, we were deprived of forming relationships. When we came back, without those relationships, 
things weren't the same. Students transferred to other schools or simply abandoned their education. For those who returned, in-person teaching was a slow and painful transition. Long-term diet and mental health trends suggested that we would encounter significant challenges and COVID's impact has exacerbated the speak. These kids are getting it, is what I'm taking this from this. The kids are getting it. I wish the adults were. It brings me back to something I often say when I give talks on, uh, on, on youth mental health or, 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 the, or the drug problem. There wouldn't be a youth crisis in America. There wouldn't be a youth problem in America if there weren't an adult problem in America. If adults were adults, children could be children. And if adults made mature decisions and didn't use children to soothe their own anxieties, children would be much better off. I'm glad they're getting the message on obesity and physical health. I'm really glad, and I'm glad they're attuned to the mental health problem. Both have been caused by adults. A lot of you have been hearing me talk about why refi for a while now, and if you still have some questions about what they can do for you and your investments and your returns, give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-34. They're happy to put you in touch with any number of many of the satisfied customers in this audience who have happily invested with them and are already seeing great returns. Also, think about your IRA. Would you like your IRA to be earning strong fixed interest rates and not be dependent on the stock market or this economy? Did you know you can invest with wide refi through an IRA or other qualified funds? And you can keep your investment, including the high fixed interest rates you earn, tax deferred. That's right. Your money can stay in your IRA and you don't have to pay taxes on the income you earn. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the... Word invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y dot com. Or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-34. Again, they'd love to put you in touch with any number of their satisfied customers. Great folks, great company. I uh, know them well. Um, with all the news coming at us, it's, you know, it was, it's, it was curious to me whether the media was going to let up on the document story, the classified document story of Joe Biden. And they were. They were letting up on it. And as much as we saw the press conferences with Karen Jean-Pierre on Fox News, the newspapers weren't putting much about it, and it wasn't making any news on any of the other cable shows. So it's pretty important that we keep um, the accelerator on this, and things are already different at the House of Representatives. The House of Representatives is not wasting any time in beginning investigations. They are beginning investigations on that. They are beginning investigations on COVID. They are beginning investigations on censorship and social media. And last I just saw come across my feed, McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy, Speaker McCarthy, has secured the votes to remove Ilan Omar from the House Foreign Affairs Committee. Good. Should have been done a long time ago by Democrats. They didn't. The Republicans will. It's enough. Want to lecture us about bigotry? We're happy to take the lecture because we hate it, too. We hate it on our side, which is why we policed ours. We hate it on your side, too. Bigotry isn't kosher just because it comes from the left. Took Kevin McCarthy and this new Republican Congress to point that out. It's a good start. All right. I have a lot more to say and talk to you about. We will do it shortly. Don't go away. We'll be right back. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.